Welcome back to the Coaches Rising podcast. I hope you're doing well. And today I'm going to bring another conversation from our recent summit. This one is between Jacinta Jimenez and Kareem Hirani. Jacinta was there at the beginning of Better Up, which is, uh, you know, you probably heard of them. They have now, I think, over 3,000 coaches working for them, placing those coaches in organizations and with private clients. And Kareem was there at the beginning of Coach in a Box, which is a real pioneer in this field of democratizing coaching and placing coaches in organizations that's been bought by BTS. So we're going to talk about, you know, they're really plugged into this field of coaches being placed in organizations. What are organizations needing from coaches? So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what are some of the common themes and trends that these organizations come to them and say, we want coaches to help us with this. And we'll talk about, you know, just their general sense of the coaching field, what they love about it, their hopes for the future, some of the concerns they might have as well about other trends which are emerging in the field of coaching. It's a really nice conversation. They really vibed off each other. So yeah, just I'll say a few more words about each of the guests. So uh, Jacinta, as I mentioned, was there at the beginning of Better Up and she is a thought leader in the field of leadership, coaching, motivation, behavior change. She's the author of The Burnout Fix. Kareem, as I said, has been in Coach in a Box, which was bought by BTS for, for many, many years and has been is now the head of leadership coaching practice in Europe and is also an author, the author of the book called The Four Greatest Coaching Conversations, Change Your Mindset, Shift Your Attitude and Achieve Extraordinary Results. Before we pivot to the conversation, just a heads up that this, the Neuroscience of Change, our online coach training program, all about how do you apply the amazing discoveries in neuroscience and the, the recent discoveries in neuroscience to your coaching in a very practical, applicable way. That's now enrolling. We've got an incredible faculty, Amanda Blake, Lisa Feldman Barrett, Dan Siegel, Richard Boyatzis, John Viveki, amongst others. So I really hope you can join us. Enrollment's open. You can find out more by heading to coachesrising.com forward slash neuroscience of change. All right, that all being said, let's dive in. All right, so Jacinta and Kareem, I'm really excited for this conversation, particularly seeing your energy, your passion as we were checking in. Uh, how are each of you doing today, first of all? I'm doing really well. I'm, I'm really excited and honored to be here today. I just think these conversations are critical um, right now at this time and place in the world and in the in the coaching industry in general. So I'm just thrilled to be here. Yeah, yeah, just really excited. Um, I know we've got up to an hour, uh, Joelle, so I feel like it could go longer. So there's quite a lot of excitement, enthusiasm, and hopefully hoping to serve our listeners some hopefully interesting points of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it might be good to to start by asking each of you to share a bit of your story, uh, how you came into the work you do. Jacinta, you've played a key role with Better Up and Kareem with, with Coach in a Box and now BTS. And uh, so we're going to do some sense making. Each of you are kind of really plugged into the field and what's emerging and what you think coaches need to be in these times. So so let's start just with each of you giving a, you know, sharing your story and, and, and your, your path and, and what you do now. Yeah, we'll take it from there. Do you want to go first, Jacinta? Just- sure, I'll jump in. Um, yeah, so my 
I did not think I was going to be a coach, did not think I was going to be a psychologist, um, was a dancer, loved the performing arts so much. Um, first generation Latina, grew up pretty, my father grew up pretty poor as a migrant field laborer um, working in the field. He came to the United States from Mexico, um, but I was vicious and so flew out to New York myself, had a scholarship to study um, for this uh, intensive program at the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. But as things happen with performing arts or athletics, I ended up breaking my jaw, but was so gung-ho, danced through a broken jaw, danced through mono, danced through injuries, and danced myself right into burnout, um, and was so fascinated by the experience of how I could go from loving something so much that I would dance through a broken jaw, dance through pain and injuries, to not feeling connected to it at all. It would, It was just mind-blowing. felt like the rug got pulled out from under me. So I decided I needed to investigate this. So I started my career over again, studying psychology, specifically the intersection of peak performance, motivation, and behavior change. So I studied um, undergrad at Stanford and then master's and doctor at PGSP Stanford PsyD Consortium. And in that path, I found um, a love for positive psychology, which was just emerging on the scene and um, realized that, gosh, all these evidence-based techniques that I learned in clinical psychology work can be applied in coaching capacity and really drive behavior change and help people not just get back to baseline, but go above it and thrive and flourish and beyond. So I've never looked back, had my has had my own coaching practice for quite some time now, and then found technology was very interesting to me living in um, here in uh, California in San Francisco in Silicon Valley. And so did some app development at the National Center for PTSD. And then in the tech world came across the two founders of Better Up, Eddie and Alexi. And um, from very, very, very early on, um, worked with them to help scale our coach community. And now we have over 3000 coaches um, in many, many countries and many languages across the globe offering coaching at scale and it's it's really been a work and labor of love yeah i can go next so yeah my background also didn't start in coaching it was in mathematics believe it or not and um ended up doing a master's and then a phd with a bank in in maths and uh, finance and it was that it was a critical crisis point my, my father suddenly passed away you know and he was in the classic you know one day i'll retire and everything will be okay and suddenly that kind of realization comes that you know life could go any second and this whole crisis of meaning you know looking back that the gift of it was realizing actually I, d I don't want to do that and I don't want to go down the same path of not living life fully so I made a big turn started a small training ended up bumping into someone um, in what was known as coach the box who was doing an open day uh, and I thought I'll go and try it out <clears throat> fell in love did something on vertical development with them. Um, so I ended up doing this training, um, training some of their team on it because I was so passionate about it as a pet passion. And suddenly the world opened up and I'm now part of Coach in a Box. So Coach in a Box, for those who don't know, were one of the early ones that tried to democratize coaching. So we really quickly, because it was um, coaching was starting to get known in the early 90s from coaching for performance in athletics through to now leadership development. And it was for the executives. And um, one thing we were passionate about was democratizing that. How do we allow every leader to have access to a great coach um, and the insights that come with coaching? So dot, 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 many years later, we got bought by BTS, uh, which is a management consultancy. Uh, they do strategy in action or execution through people, um, very passionate business. Um, and 
you know, what we've realized, and maybe this might start going into some of the insights that we'll talk about, whereas co coaching on the individual level is, is huge and transformational. And how do we balance that with the collective uh, change as well? So it's been an interesting journey with, with BTS, and I'll share some of those insights as we go through the call. Um, but yeah, personally, I'm hugely passionate about conscious leadership. I mean, that's if someone was to define some mm -hmm. of the what, what keeps me in this space, um, conscious leadership and realizing that the deeper you go inside, the more you manifest outside and there's this kind of dance that happens. And um, it's a great fun journey and it's tough and it's beautiful. Um, and yeah, so it's a bit of an adventurer in that space. Great. Uh, so yeah, well, I'm sure we'll get into that collective individual tension that, that you just named there, Kareem. Maybe well, the first question I'd like to ask each of you is, you know, um, these times we're in, you know, with these crises we face where, you know, the, the pandemic kind of feels like it's coming to a close. And then, you know, then a, this war, this tragic war kicks off in the Ukraine. It feels like there's just one event after another, which is, you know, um, this just change is just happening out of control. And so I'm just curious how you feel the organizations that, that come to you asking for coaches, what, what are they coming, what kinds of um, challenges, what kinds of things are they saying to you when they come to better up and to BTS? Like what, what are they saying? We need help with this. And can, can you bring us coaches who can help us with this? And so maybe you could speak into that and, and also feel free to include in that, like how are you making sense of what's going on in the world right now? You know? So mm -hmm. um, yeah, Jacinta, maybe we could start with you again and yeah. Kareem will come to you. So many thoughts about this. I mean, we have been going through such a, just, you know, I, I use that acronym VUCA, right? World right now, volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous. And it's just at a systems level approach. I mean, uh, happening like individual teams, organizations, the macro environment that we're existing in, everything feels highly uncertain. And um, just as a psychologist, uh, I know very well that people do not tolerate uncertainty very well. Um, you know, there's a really amazing study that I use as an example a lot out of the Imperial College of London, where you know they ask participants one of two questions, I can give you a shock now, or I may or may not give you a shock at some point in the day. And most people pick option one, they rather have a predictable negative consequence, but we're finding ourselves in the organizations and in the world climate in this uncertainty. And that has long term effects. Um, and what we've noticed at Better Up um, is that there's this, this um, epidemic of uh, burnout, first of all, but the bigger one that leads to burnout is languishing. Um, it's the absence of mental health. So it's like more about dissatisfaction, listlessness, um, loss of interest in things. Um, we call it like the neglected middle child of mental health, um, where it's the void between depression. So you're not clinically depressed, but you're also not flourishing. You're just kind of getting through and people are just surviving. And this has led to, you know, the great resignation and a lot of dissatisfaction or low engagement and lower levels of um, performance at work. And so I think organizations are realizing that um, that's, I think this is the bright side of COVID if there is one is that, you know, um, 
people don't want want to see a greater focus on well-being at their company. They realize that uh, it's not just a nice to have anymore, that we have to take care of or find ways to have resilience in our workforce and reinforce that resilience. And so working with people to um, find, you know, flourishing and beyond. And I think this is where coaching plays such a significant role and has such an incredible opportunity to help people um, and teams and leaders figure out how do we prioritize this and how do we set up, um, you know, systems to reinforce um, well-being in the course of work and to create a sense of control or internal locus of control so that we can feel firm, stable and grounded while the world of work and life continues to spin around us. Um, not an easy task, but if anything, in my mind, and I may be biased because I love coaching, but I, I feel like coaching is one of the, if it's done well and high quality, can be one of the driving levers to unleash this um, within organizations and at scale because let's face it, like personal well-being is a very, you know, it's not just something you wake up and do a couple things with. It requires behavior change. It requires coaching to start prioritizing this, talking about well-being at work and flourishing. This is a new concept. So um, having a coach or, and having a swath of coaches within an organization promoting this and helping organizations and leaders learn these new behaviors and integrate them in the flow of work can, I believe, can make such a big difference. And so we're seeing a lot of folks wanting this, that it's it's not about reactive. It's almost about teaching them how to have this because I think a new world of work necessitates new ways to approach work. And this is a key way where coaching can make such a big difference. So um, that's the big one I see right now. Yeah, I could, there's so many questions I could ask about that, but Kareem, yeah. How about yeah. you? Yeah. I mean, that really resonates, Jacinta. Um, you know, I think connecting it to the past few years, I think the the level of uh, disruption that seems to be this kind of ongoing heat experience that continues, you know, how do we manage the the triggers around the uncertainty, you know, on, on different levels, mentally, emotionally, physically. Um, I think the other bit I'm noticing with organisations is some, some of the areas that we're being asked to intervene on, they're that they're now starting to see the connection between the individual and the collective. So for example, yes. you know, things like DEI, customer centricity, you know, how do we get customer obsessed? You know, yes, we can do collective interventions and get people to start thinking about customers um, on, a, on a culture level, but the, the place of coaching, you know, if you've got this generic intervention around DEI and everyone goes in these work, the opportunity for the individual to then go, here's my challenge with it, which is different from the next person's challenge, or here's my challenge with customer centricity. I'm, I'm a salesperson and I don't, you know, I'm going to push the sale. I don't want to be empathic. So how do you work with the individual to make the shift in the context of organization? And, and I'd say even more now, like certainly senior sponsors um, starting to make the connection to society, you know, so sustainability is a good example where now organizations are going, you know, this has now got to get serious on the agenda thankfully shareholders are now starting to kind of push for that agenda as, as well so but how does coaching support the individual shift across all levels of the organization what's the culture shift so that's a theme but you know and and then the measurement of that so how do we then measure what i do in my coaching 
against the collective impact we're seeking to have. So if it is sustainability or DEI, you know, I want to make sure that the impact, you know, when we started, you know, earlier, it was people said they had a nice time in coaching. That was good enough. Um, they changed. There were some measures. But now it's, no, we want to, to be serious about, you know, is this really impacting the agenda? And if it, if not, why not? And um, so, yeah, I'd say those are kind of themes. I could give you a list of topics, but underneath those topics, I think, the, the role of coaching and the impact it can have started to get clearer around that. Oh, can I jump in there? <laughs> I just Go like, ahead, it, it resonates so much with, I'm like vigorously shaking my head here because <laughs> it's so true for, especially things like DEI or well-being or flourishing. It's yeah. not a one size fits all approach. Like yeah. people have different circumstances, different culture, different things they bring. And so coaching can allow that inner landscape work and connects the inner to the outer world where it does at, at, at in mass drive large, you know, um, change within organizations. And then if we can show, which we are now able to show the ROI of coaching, it's just, it demonstrates the impact that um, in a collect, you know, in, in mass, um, what coaching can do within an organization to really up level culture and change. And that's really exciting for me. So yeah. I agree with everything yeah. you're saying. <laughs> yeah, like, likewise, Jacinta, I think, yeah, the, the, the ability to do that. And, and, and I don't know about you, just but when you mentioned the um, the well-being agenda, really resonates that the shift for me, the word I use is compassion. I've, I've just seen a lot more movement towards care and kindness. I mean, in the UK, we had it from our chancellor, you know, using the word kindness in his budget um, a couple of years ago. But I see sponsors getting a little bit more specific around, you know, we've got people coming back from work, from parenting, or got line managers and supporting carers. Can we do some coaching to support them? You know, so it feels like there's a little bit more heart. I don't want to lose that. And I hope we don't, you know, given there's more change to come. But yeah. I, I do notice a little bit more compassion, which then drives the well-being agenda, hopefully a little bit more as well. Yeah, yeah. I, yes, I, I see more leaders being open to wanting to invest in compassion and connection and belonging in the workplace. And it makes me really delighted to see um, because I, I really believe, you know, it's survival of the kindness, right? These pro-social behaviors that are going to allow us as a society or to flourish and thrive in the face of adversity and challenge and change. Um, and let's face it, this change and what we're going through, it's, it's not going to slow down anytime soon. No. I mean, this is a big point, Jacinta. I think that the last two years feel like a micro. Like if you think about, <laughs> yes. like even something like technology, like you're going to be able to insert AI bots that can eliminate cancer or GM foods or, or cryptocurrency, you know, that's going to change global markets. So we, we've had a snapshot. So to be able to realize that leading an uncertainty and change and transformation is just the norm. Mm -hmm. And how do we now learn to meet that reality rather than try and fix it and go, you know, actually, you know, get that little electrocution at the beginning? You can't because two minutes later, there'll be a different opportunity. Um, so, so just an insight, I'll throw this in and then we can have a chat about it. But we had this lovely chance to ask some coaches about um, what they're noticing about what coaches are asking them. And there was very quickly th three big themes that came up. One was resilience which we've talked about the other was the capacity to sense make and the other one was leading an uncertainty and then we had this huge insight along the way which was if uh, i don't know if you've come across bill petrie's work around vertical development and he talks about there are three 
uh, elements to vertical development that support or facilitate it. So one is heat experiences, the other is colliding perspective, and then the third is elevated sense making. And I'd say we've had heat experiences, we're going to have a hell of a lot more colliding perspectives. This is kind of where you have opinions come against each other, they stretch you, they expand you. And I think the role of the coach or a mentor or someone senior in the organisation to support that third element, the elevated sense making, how do I step above this and meet that uncertainty? How do I find my resilience? And sometimes I think people get stressed because they're in the edge of a shift in consciousness. You know, so how do we support that leader to make that shift, you know, support them with what's the support you need with the resilience and know that you've got to hold your feet by the fire now and let yourself make that transformational shift. So I think that's another kind of insight I wanted to throw into the group. I'll, I'll pause just to hear what you guys think about that. No, that resonates so well. The word that's coming up for me just as a psychologist is this cognitive flexibility, right? Like really needing to set up the conditions to allow leaders to and continually have that cognitive flexibility while also preparing to stay firm and stable in some ways while the things continue to shift and grow and change. I'm curious, there's there's so many um, threads opened up here, which I love. And I, I'm curious if you feel that coaches are needing to, you know, there's all these different themes you're bringing up, you know, resilience, well-being, sense-making, compassion. Are you feeling that coaches are needing to specialize in, in, you know, content around each of these different topics? Is it that their coaches are needing to develop a new set of skills in these times in order to serve clients? Or do you feel like, no, it's like the basic tenets of coaching as they always are, are the the very things behind each one of these you know, topics, as you mentioned, you know, that you can, you can personalize learning in, in DEI, for example, um, or, or some of the other things you mentioned, you can really personalize the learning through coaching. So, so yeah, are you finding that, that coaches are needing to adapt and, and, and specialize or are they, is it the same set of coaching competencies that are just applicable here? Such a great question. You know, what pops up for me is what the thing that I love so much about coaching is it's really comes from that humanistic Rogerian psychology, you know, of unconditional positive regard of the human connecting with another human. Um, you know, I think of, of coaching as partnering with another human to just address mindset skills or behaviors towards maximizing one's personal and professional development. And so at the crux of coaching, is that beautiful human connection that just can't get replaced, in my opinion, um, with AI. We can use AI and and machine learning to support it, but I I think it's magic in itself and holding that space. That said, I think that coaches can obviously learn more evidence-based skills and practices to help people expedite resilience or expedite or grow in their cognitive flexibility or compassion. These are all skills, which is really neat that science has been found to be growable and, and learnable. And that's really thrilling to me that we can always up level our level of resilience, even um, that compassion can be learned. And so I think that's uh, really exciting. And I, I, what I, what we're seeing at better up is that coaches want this. They're, they, they crave well, coaches naturally. I think this is why I love coaches. And I find like coaches are my people is that they continually want to invest in growing their internal landscape and their skill set, And so 
Um, I think they naturally want this work. And so the more those two things can go hand in hand of saving that space for that deep, integral human connection, and then up-leveling it with learning skills and interventions and powerful questions to, to really empower people to do that is, is, is magic in my mind. It's art and science together, really. Yeah, I, I, I just so resonate with that. Um, that there's like the, the essence of it is the human contact, the relational space, and what you create is a creative space which allows newness to occur. And, you know, there are skills, you know, but the, the, the build I would include, and there is what we learned from our research around mindset change. And I know you guys uh, are better off to think about this a lot, um, but we, we, I think one of our successes during the early years was we, we learned how different mindsets actually required a different set of skills, like, you know, empathy, you know, stepping into the other person's shoes and helping someone embody that shift was different from reframing my thinking about myself, you know, so, so knowing those skills, but at the core, can I really meet and be with and then let those skills be in service to the, the, the change? So yeah, in terms of specialism, you know, it's an interesting question because I am finding now, especially with people who've got a bigger budget, so exec level, board level, that an exec might have a mindset coach, which often sometimes people ask for psychotherapy or psychology background. So they want someone who's quite rigorous in that space, but then might have a separate business um, coach who helps them to grow the business strategically, might have a separate um, physical coach, like an exercise coach. So, you know, if you have budget, there's this kind of range. So thinking of specialization, I think there is an I, I mean, it's emergent, right? I don't know the yes. answer. And it's not, it's cost effective, although, you know, there are some players now that are starting to make this a very cheap offer. But yeah, so I do wonder about specialization. I would, I mean, at the heart of it, whether the specialization happens or not, um, I do feel that that ongoing learner, which is lifelong learning mindset is the key. So you always specializing because of your passion to learn and grow. It's a bit like what you were saying, Jacinta, I think it's lovely working with other coaches, fellow coaches who love to learn and then you automatically grow. But the deepest work I think is that self-work so you can be present as a coach in that relationship. I think that for me is the heart and soul of it. Yeah, I could not agree more. That, that, that deep connection with oneself, like I said earlier, like that inner landscape sets, it's like a conduit for creating that space to do that. And I think, yeah, that growth mindset piece, especially for coaches, especially resonates because as we learn more, like better if we were, we already have data from a million coaching sessions. So there's so much we're learning about what makes quality coaching, what makes effective coaching. And so, and it's probably going to shift as, as work shifts and what people need. And so um, coaches who have that growth mindset too, um, I think will flourish and thrive. Um, and I agree with you about the specialty coaching. We, we offer specialty coaching at MetterUp because of that. We've seen buyers want it, like sleep, nutrition. We have navigating uncertainty. We have um, grief, even grief coaching, yes. which has become a big yeah. one as well. So I agree with everything you're, you're saying too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and grief, Joel, linked to your question earlier about navigating the changes because there's a huge loss as well as a huge opportunity, you know, in each crisis, you know, what's got to be let go of, that needs to be grieved, as well as personal grief with COVID, that so many people lost people personally or had difficult time, as well as, you know, the, the flip side of grief is that place where you allow something new to be born. So I think, yeah, having those specialisms, you know, feels really true. I'm glad you're doing that, just since that feels so good <laughs> to use that word in the system of coaching as well. It's such a good yeah. 
important piece to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just to follow up on this, because some of these topics, you know, like grief and uh, mental health, even languishing, you know, um, the people might say, oh, is that like, were we moving into the, the, the realm of therapy there? And it's a question that comes up in our community a lot, you know, and I think it's a very interesting question. So I'm going to pose it to you two. Like, do you feel that there is a clear, a clear divide between therapy and coaching? Or perhaps you can say from one angle, there's a clear divide, but from another angle, it's you're actually, it's two human beings meeting on this level you're describing and, and that there's something that can be very restorative and, and allow someone to flourish. So I'm just curious where you land in that conversation. Give a, a point of view on this. Um, I do have a point of view, which is, um, I think it's about the contract, Joel. I, I think contract and capacity of the coach because that you know because there are people like certainly people i'm working with that are touching trauma for example and just one of my experiences personally of the coach and the development journey um is it's like a spiral staircase that goes up but it equally goes down with a mirror on you know on the bottom so you're kind of working through some deeper stuff and as you go up you know you, you evolve new potentials and that dance continues so i think if the client wants to work with something that says hey i've got this pattern um, and i'm finding this with mature leaders i've got this pattern that's gone back you know tens of years decades goes back it's the contract that says hey look can we create that safe space and it needs to be someone who's got the cap- capability to have the correct the right contractual conversation to say hey look this is looking at history this might be 15 sessions um and i have the capability or i know someone who has the capability and i won't do it if i don't um and then to contract what it is we can achieve or not. Um, and to be very careful with that, because it can be very easy for people to go, I'll just take that piece of work on. You know, I know a little bit about my history uh, and I'd be very careful about making it align. But yeah, I think it is contracting capability. Um, and I'm noticing more and more people naturally working through, like you can't help but touch some of your historical patterns. And in coaching, you can work that in the present moment. So, you know, whether you're triggered because you're seeing things a particular way, whether you make that connection to back when you were six or not, you're still seeing things a particular way. So you don't have to look at it from a, like, I'll just work the history. It's I'll work it now in the way I'm looking at it and make, make the connection to history. So in that sense, it doesn't have to be historical therapeutic every time. But yeah, I do think that, yeah, the, the contract and the capability is key. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to plus one that again. <laughs> it's good, though. It's good that we're aligned. That would be pretty freaky if we, we were in alignment in terms of um, coaches thinking about this stuff. But yes, the contract matters so much because at the end of the day, therapy is about two humans coming together and having that space. And hopefully a therapist has done that deep inner work, just like a great coach. But the difference is that contract, like and, and therapists focus on like maybe deep generational or deep historical um, roots and connecting that to kind of what's happening um, and coaching is very much more action oriented. Um, I think the word mental health is, is triggers people to think of mental illness when it's actually not mental illness, you know, it's, it's about being healthy, like physical health. Um, so I use the word a lot mental well-being because I think people can translate that over well. Um, but, you know, just like we have to take care of our physical health by, um, you know, brushing our teeth and just, um, you know, I think of, of 
of coaching for mental well-being as you know emotional hygiene in a lot of ways like how do we optimize for that and take care of ourselves and sometimes great coaches you know, if the contracts there can can connect the dots, but not go deep in and, and do therapeutic work and great coaches, you know, which I've seen and a lot of our better up coaches are, are fantastic at knowing when to refer, when to go, okay, we can work on this and your therapist or, or your clinician can work on this with you. And that the two don't have to be, um, you can work in coaching and with a therapist as long as the contract's really clear and they're not overlapping and confusing the client. And so I think there's a lot of beauty in coaches knowing the limits of what they can do and therapists also knowing their limits of in terms of not stepping into coaching as well, because it's very, very different than therapy um, too. But um, both can promote mental flourishing or mental well-being or mental health. And I'm dying to ask you both, because you've each mentioned that you've got all this data, you know, and, and that you've done over a million coaching sessions with BetterUp. And Karim, you were saying that clients now are really wanting driven data on what makes effective coaching. So I, I just got to ask, like, what are you what are you finding out does make effective coaching? And maybe we can begin to connect that also to this 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 collective individual thing around yeah it's not just uh you coaching the coachee but you're contracted by the organization and they might they might have particular requirements too so there's a there might be a tension there so yeah let's see where you take this but what what makes effective coaching yeah. well, it's great i love it i love this because you know i just get the chance to ask these questions i really want to ask each of you well i can i can jump in like it's it's the stuff that we kind of already know about what makes a great human connection, <laughs> like listening versus talk time, right? Um, if a coach is, is overly talking and not giving that person space to do their own exploration and, and offering powerful questioning or reflections or summary statements to help that person here, right? We're supposed to be like that mirror almost um, in terms of letting them get greater clarity. Um, that makes a huge difference. Um, I think it's stuff we we know, but we can actually contextualize it even more. Um, I think, I think you know, uh, coaches that also can can really hold the space to offer challenging challenging you know questions when they have the rapport uh, makes such a big difference too. In terms of not directiveness necessarily, but a little bit more directiveness. Um, can make a big difference. And I think that, uh, you know, gives a, a client a little bit more certainty, like, okay, um, I want some guardrails right now because I'm working in an uncertain world. And so offering like homework or helping them set goals or having that that directiveness versus wide open ended, you know, like, let's just explore um, also can make such a big difference as well. Yeah. I think that, yeah, for me, that, that link to that sense is, is the, the role of expert as coach is kind of coming back, especially from yeah. sponsors. You know, they're kind of going, hang on. And, you know, my perspective is I think coaching was a lovely pendulum swing away from overpowered direct, but I think it's swung way too far and it's kind of coming back into the middle where actually there is a place to bring your wisdom and expertise in service to the human being as opposed to. Um, you know, my need to make you different. And um, so I think that's coming back. Sponsors are liking it when we talk about that style, mm-hmm. but to watch it doesn't becoming, they become overpowering. Um, you know, Doug Silsby's work, you know, had that, if you remember, it had the, the role of teacher in, in, yes. in his seven roles, that kind of stuff. So that stuff's coming back. I, I think the other piece from a data point of view was um, 
no, I don't want to do a big teach on, on the model that we've created, um, but it's helpful to share the data. So we, from our research, we found four areas of leadership where there were mindset changes, like multiple mindset changes. And they were B, which is around resilience, well-being, authenticity, presence, relate, which is around you know, trust, conflict, collaboration, um, inspire, which is around motivation, purpose, and think, which is around business, strategic thinking, innovation, that kind of stuff. So we, we found over the years, those are the four areas where multiple mindsets were coming up. Um, and we put a book together on this. And from a data point of view, we found pre- to post-pandemic, there's been a bigger shift towards the B, so towards resilience and resourcefulness, mm-hmm. which really resonates to what you were saying, Jacinta. Um, and then also towards meaning and purpose. Um, you know, so why is, you know, why am I doing this? What is making me wake up in the morning? And I think that came up a lot with people working from home. It's like suddenly I'm on my own and I'm not doing tasks in the business context. Why am I doing it? And what's important to me? And I think potentially connects to the great resignation for people to start thinking about what is meaningful to them. Um, and also touching on the spirituality of, um, you know, what's important in us in life. So I think that from a data point of view, we saw 10% swing towards B based objectives and mindset shifts and but I think it was about six percent towards inspire um so the meaning and purpose area and that was quite that's quite significant um just over the period of the pandemic mm-hmm. um, and so that's another thing so in terms of specialism you know co- coaches learning about there are some lovely skills that you can add to your repertoire as a coach in resilience and purpose um, and then the third bit, which I know you guys, Joel, are doing a lot, is but the vertical development stuff. I think if I was to ever advise coaches, is learning that there's a when you meet a human being um, at the heart of it, that, you know, as we're saying, that's that's the, the beauty of coaching. And then how do you adapt and listen for um, different different needs for the human being and I think vertical development is a great model that says actually if someone's in their period of life where it is about self-esteem as opposed to belonging um, you know how do I recognize that and make that okay you know and really listen and go ah they're talking about being part of the group identity right now so how do I support them or they're now looking to break out that group identity and shift into their own you know how do I support them in that so I think that model really helps for people to learn how to adapt as a coach whilst holding that core of you know the the, the yeah Rogerian principles of meeting another human being oh that resonates so much and it's interesting to hear that the pendulum like you felt like organizations are also wanting just going back to like that more direct not direct not teaching but a slightly more directive than open-ended too yeah. yes. um one other thing I forgot to mention that we also see is just um coaches who have that uh, systems level thinking. So able to really start thinking about, I'm not just treating my client here, like working with my client, I'm working with my client within this organization and then within this like macro environment and coaches who are able to do that with cultural sensitivity as well. So being able to really meet the person where they're at with, with a cultural lens and a systems lens. And that's kind of been an interesting, I think, shift that that's been amplified more as a coaching skill in the, in the recent years um, as well, especially as we, as we scale globally and coaches can now coach people in different countries, even like, and, and quite easily through technology that, that, that systems level thinking with that cross-cultural sensitivity and competency yeah. is, is massive. And I don't think that's going anywhere anytime soon. So coaches who are investing in that and, and their growth mindset around that, um, I think will, will continue to have tremendous impact. Just picking up on that point, Jacinta, 
Do you feel that it's important that coaches are attuned to the the wishes of the organization too? You know, so yeah, it, 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 like I think perhaps coaches have found out that if you are just coaching your client and then they go off and they're in the system of the organization and nothing's changing there, then it can be very difficult for the for, for the coachee to, you know, they're, they're suddenly swept up in the whole direction of the organization again maybe those personal changes are harder to implement and i'm just curious so that systemic mm-hmm. cultural wide change is also important and i'm i'm just curious if if it's if it's important for coaches to be attuned to or sensitive to the to the the, the organization's wishes and maybe there are maybe there are kind of i don't know how to put it but you know like themes that they want to bring in to the coaching so it's not just the coaches themes that are leading but perhaps there are there are organizational themes coming in and if that is the case for each of you how 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 do you work how do you advise coaches work with that in a sensitive way yeah i mean i, I think for me it comes back to the contract piece because you know what's the contract around the coaching is it for the individual you know they need some support great then it's a green light to do what you want um, but even then joel i would say that the connection to what's going on on the system level, on the organization culture level, you know, is going to influence your coaching. Very simple example, you know, someone who's got to give some difficult feedback to a senior manager. If in the business, the culture says, thou shalt not tell hierarchy anything difficult, they're not going to go ahead and, and make that change. That, you know, as much as you try and shift the mindset, give the skill, um, you know, it's going to be terrifying to, to shift it if the culture isn't tuned into. So, what's the agenda could be set with the coachee you know, it's still useful to be aware of the the context and the culture um and also beyond that you know a lot of the time i'm seeing things like um you know the, the, the male female pattern showing up in the coaching between me and the coachee and how's that showing up here that's also in the system and what are we doing to shift that as a male coach you know, with a, you know, I had a coachee who was really thankful, you know, and she's like, oh, this is really amazing. And of course, my ego loved it um, until I realized that actually there was a game playing here. You know, she was getting acknowledgement from my liking. And then until I called that out and then we talked about, hey, this is how you defer your power, you know, and yeah. people were getting promoted faster. So how do we hold that system lens? But, but then the other piece is a, a lot of our coaching is spot contracted with the organization so we will set a context um with the organization so even if it's something like i don't know something random like innovation you know so we'll go right let's see what what is that you mean by innovation interview the organization and find out what is that you're trying to shift in the organization and then each individual will find their personal shift around it so that's where you get the collective systemic and then the individual and it's beautiful because if you get it right and by right i mean if you really listen um what's really emerging for the individual you know and what's been called forth from them it's really spot on uh, and and then connects back so for someone it might be i need to become more curious about you know my my, my organization beyond uh, beyond my day-to-day work I need to get curious about my customers um so it's really right for them to make that shift whilst it's also serving the organizational system. And I think when you've got that dance right, um, you know, and again, by right, I mean really listening to it, something right emerges that, that's true for both. So, yeah, that's my lens on that. Yeah, you've explained it pretty, pretty well. I, I, I mean, I would agree with, with all of that. And I, I do think that if it does get 
like you said, get it right, like where it does all line up, it's quite beautiful to see because individuals are getting that really personalized intervention um, that really meets them where they're at, their level of readiness, their their mindset, their culture, all these other pieces, but then driving towards that larger organizational goal, which then shows the ROI of coaching at scale and everyone wins when all those pieces can line up at that systems level. I think that's where large um, change can really happen. And um, we've seen it at BetterUp. And when that the, the, those elements line up, um, and everyone feels empowered where the coaches kind of understand what the organization is looking for, but also is meeting the client where they're at and meeting them yeah. their needs in an authentic way, not to try to, you know, do something to get an ROI goal or something. It, it's quite, yeah. it's quite powerful. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And, and your point that just, it's just brings to mind something worth saying that capacity of the coach to hold the, the true you know, individual relational here and now with the contextual and the cultural and the systemic, you know, there's a capacity there. You know, I remember Peter Hawkins talking about, you know, allowing what's in the room to be here, you know, and, and then that, that allows the right emergent shift to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that capacity is something, you know, I'm seeing coaches have more and more, and it's a skill, I think, or a capacity, I'd say, to keep developing. It's how do I hold it all? And then yes, know what's so coming up. <laughs> yeah, it's like metacognition over metacognition, and it's a lot, That's but it's meta, quite meta, a meta. skill. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I love the um, story you told about the woman deferring her power and catching that mm-hmm. because I think co- great coaches really understand there's content, what you're talking about in a session, right, and that the, the themes, but then there's a process of what's happening between the two of us, right, in the session, yeah. and being able to get, and then thinking about that other system, it is like three levels or more of really mm-hmm. processing simultaneously. Um, hard to do. do you but- Important. And do you do yeah. that just in, t- in terms of developing your coaches? Do you, do you help them to do the meta, meta? Like, do you support that development? Like, yeah, you're right. It's about witnessing what's in the space now. It's about being bigger and, and then big, bigger than that. Do, do you develop that or anything? Yes, yeah. Find it extremely important to, and now we're trying to bring in more of the larger macro pieces, like mm. bringing in Rhonda McGee to talk about, you know, right. um, social justice and larger things that are happening in the world, but also what's happening for me as a coach, what I'm noticing in the room. Oh yes, absolutely. So, so important. Um, We can get into the technical skills, right? Like the evidence-based skills of learning resilience and all those things. But if we miss the cues, like if you had missed that woman saying, you know, thank you. Thank you. And yes, it feels good. I've had the same thing happen to me. I'm like, Ooh, I feel good as a coach. And then I'm like, Oh boy, (laughs) this must be happening in other relationships in her life or their life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's heartwarming to hear you. I'm so glad you you hold that because I think that is where the edge of coaching is for me is to be able to hold the complexity, connect it up to that systems level. And, and I think then we make societal, you know, human change that needs to happen in the world. Um, otherwise, it becomes simplistic and yes, just trying to help really someone get individualistic and, and, and it doesn't, yes, exactly. It comes too simplistic. It's, it's yeah. much more complex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, it's heartwarming. Well, the, where you're going now is actually, so we, you know, we've got about 15 minutes of our time and I want to like squeeze in a few things before then. So one is, is a bit where you're going, like what, and I'm thinking, you know, this, these times we're in and we've talked about the VUCA world and these crises and how there's opportunity in the crises. 
And 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 alongside of that, it's I don't know if this is a golden age of coaching or or we could call it that, but you know, coaching is proliferated into the world and it's being. Mm-hmm. I, and and we're coaches rising. We we and I think I just feel that from each of you two is is like coaching can be a powerful force for systemic change in the world. And so I'm wondering on different levels, like what what do you see coming? Um, what do you what do you think coaching can bring to the world, and what are the what are the potential risks right now as well? You know, it's like the good times are rolling, perhaps in the field of coaching, but disruption is always. You know, we're saying this the VUCA world disruption is always coming, and it might catch us unaware. So, what are the risks as well? So, I'll, I'll and I would love it if you would maybe think alongside of that. What question would you love to ask each other? that you might not have asked yet. So I'll pack all of that in and we'll, I'll, I'll remind you of some of those things I've asked. <laughs> Just like, this is a demonstration of poor coaching, you know, in the sense of like, that's like seven questions at once. <laughs> wow. But I'm just going to throw it, throw the, like throw the mud it. at the wall. I like it. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll go, I'll go with what comes up for me. Uh, so uh, my, my role is in quality. Qual- so I was having the practice in Europe and now in quality and innovation, product innovation. My, my biggest concern is related to that is, um, it is the commoditization of coaching where it loses, you know, like it happens with fast food, I won't name names, but you, suddenly you're mass producing, you're losing the health benefits, you know, the benefits to, for, for me, health in terms of consciousness development, you know, well-being development. Um, that is my biggest fear. It's concerned because we're in a capitalist world and that's what happens people commoditize good products um, and i see it happening i'm seeing people charging people in you know in india or in south asia you know 15 dollars an hour for coaching and you know and i'm like oh it's not respecting the human being that's doing the coaching and and it undermines what coaching can do so that's my big fear Joel. you know and there's a plus side because you can mass scale coaching um on the you know, but my worry is it then gets promised as it will give you the same quality, but at one tenth of the price, and that scares me. Um, I'll, I'll pause there because I know each question's massive, and just until I've, I've, I've worked hard fifteen minutes on the other one straight away. But I know I could say in the sky, I'm like, oh my gosh, so much to think about here. I'm mean, really enjoying yeah. this. This is flying by. I think the thing that comes up for me is as we're, I mean, there's so many things I'm like writing, I wrote down like five different things, but the big thing that's coming up for me is, you know, as we innovate, as we create new technologies to support coaching, my thought is, is that, you know, industry leaders need this need. I'm feeling this need for industry leaders to come together to really set clear ethical standards for ethically ethically sensitive and culturally sense ethically sound and culturally sensitive um, standards for for coach quality at scale and that we all kind of align on them because I think coaches who are coaching at different organizations and things if, if it gets you know if, if it becomes um, kind of each person has their own regulation that's a lot for coaches to hold and I think we all come in we want to keep the quality of coaching um strong and solid we all believe in it and i think it's a delicate time where like a lot of focus is on coaching the industry has exploded um but just like you were saying we don't want it to become too simplistic 
or that quality piece get lost in all the exciting innovation. And I don't think the two are at odds, but we have to be so thoughtful and to come together and really think about how do we keep the standard of coaching solid and strong as we innovate. So I feel like there's this time where I'm like, that's why I'm so excited to be here and meet you. It's like um, talking to other folks and, and getting in alignment with other people to make sure as, as we move forward in, in scaling access to coaching that we're doing so in a very thoughtful way and not losing that that specialness, that essence and that power of a depth that coaching really needs to have um, in order to really, you know, at, you know, at scale, I, I believe it could improve the human condition, but it's, yeah. it's delicate right now. So, yeah. 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 I guess. Um, yeah. Then, yeah. You could maybe invite that question then of, of what you might see coming in the field. And that's something you're, yeah. you're sort of, there's a wish you're sharing there, Jacinta, of, yeah, if we could come together as an organization. And I, I wonder, you know, what, what that would bring. Then some people might say, oh, well, but then won't that ring fence what coaching is? And one of the things about coaching is it's been so, this kind of maverick nature where it's, you know, been informed by so many different disciplines. Uh, but I'm just curious what you each sense might be coming in the field. And, and by the way, I just want to say, I totally love what you said as well, Jacinta. Like, I think, yeah, it's so important that we um, maintain the standards, you know, of this precious, what both of you are saying, the preciousness of this um, experience we call coaching. When two humans come together, the, the magic that can occur. So, yeah. 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 But um, yeah, I'm curious, like what, what you what you sense is coming in the in the field, what's emerging if that's even possible in this VUCA world to to actually name that. but well, I mean, I think the, the obvious one is the, the AI technology and, you know, just linking to what you were saying earlier, just into that, to, to watch out for the replacement versus the complementarity yes. of the two. And because I think, yeah, absolutely beautiful. We, we've experimented a bit with this at BTS and it, it's working really well to have coaching in the flow of work, like little reminders or a little conversation with a bot that says, hey, um, you know, have you done that? Or do you need a bit of help with that? Here's a little skill bite that we did in the coaching session versus, you know, the replacement of the coach because everything can be done, you know, at scale, cheaply, you know, all the way down. And it's a huge dilemma, you know, that I hold because coaching may not touch very early leaders first time in, you know, whereas AI can because you can scale it. So there's, you know, so do I want someone to have access to even something as simple as someone to hold them to a commitment. Um, you know, and you could do that really easy with an AI, but you of course don't get that kind of power that comes from the human connection. So it's a, it's a dilemma I'm in all the time around scaling it. That means people in other countries that couldn't even afford a coach at senior level can get access to something on the one side. And then on the other side going, actually, but I don't, my worry is it's the, it's the mindset that of the people that say, these two are the same. And I think it comes back to the quality piece. Is, mm-hmm. Let's say what it is on the tin. You know, this is AI coaching. It gives you this, but doesn't give you that. Um, and this is human coaching and it gives you this. And um, and once we get that clear, I, I agree. And I think yeah. you know, some of the big players like like the Better Up, like there's a few you know, people who are doing a lot of coaching in the world to, to dance with people like the ICF and go, look, we're doing this in the world. 
and you guys are the theoreticians who hold the standard, they need to come together um, to go, let's hold the principle and theory with the practice, you know, with an ethical, you know, standard that, that holds, preserves things like AI coming in. So I think AI, virtual reality is another one that's linked oh, um, yeah. as well. Can, 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 it's beautiful to go into, into a room and, and start doing perceptual positions with, with virtual reality. You can step into the customer in a really real way. So that's quite exciting. Um, so but those two areas, I think, um, technology are quite exciting for me about future coaching. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm like actively, we're actively working at BetterUp to get partnerships, research partnerships with ICF and IOC and other big leaders because we do the application, but these people have set the guided standards. And so how do we create standards for quality for digital coaching at scale that's ethically and culturally sensitive, especially the culture piece, because it is getting global. Um, And so how do we set those, you know, work with everyone. I think we should all come together to protect the integrity of coaching um, that this shouldn't be, this shouldn't be a competition piece here. This is about coaching and we're all for that same mission of coaching. I think AI gets really exciting for coach development and coach training that you could get feedback and a dashboard that's showing you how you're doing on things that matter to you tied to baby, you know, tied to competencies that matter to you. Um, but just even seeing, Oh my gosh, I listened this much and talked this much with this client. I'm doing this. And it's almost like having your, you know, when you're training and coaching, you have your person watching you and you get feedback and you're doing practice sessions, but having that constantly um, is something that I think, AI could be really, really powerful um, in, in training coaches and, and arming coaches with data-driven insights. And we're starting to do that at BetterUp, still in the early phases, but um, it's something that we really care about and wanting to have our coaches grow and grow and grow and get better and, and feel like they can come to BetterUp for the exact reason to continue their development, um, especially with new trends that are coming up in the world and new client needs and new organizational needs um, and equipping them with those data-driven insights. So, um, so much possibility and potential, but with anything that shines bright, there can also be that shadow. And so really managing that other side and being extremely thoughtful right now. That's what's come, come up, coming up for me. This is a delicate time, an exciting time, but very important time to do it right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, my, my other big passion about coaching and, and development is the, the coming back to our roots as human beings to be yeah. learners. You know, I, I think if we like, you know, we now know the learning organization is going to be the successful organization yeah. in the future. I think coaching is instrumental. It's a, it, it's part and parcel of the learning organization, whether it's external coaches or internal coach capability being built. Um, and I think if we can come back to those very simple roots, like, you know, we're daughters who yeah I've got a seven-year-old and of course as a coach I've got a 13-year-old and a seven-year-old and I'm watching them (laughs) like like a bit of a scientist sometimes but when they learn and it's fun they learn so fast they realize their potential so quickly you know if they're safe and I've got a dad seeing them and I'm not saying I do this perfectly but you know by no means I do (laughs) but uh, but when I do do it well I I see the capacity for growth and and then the natural compassion care humanity that comes or the ability to help them manage their aggression and their anger, but in a, in a safe way. So I think for, for me, ultimately, it's cycling back to what I think we've lost in, uh, you know, I could get quite philosophical about this, but what we've lost with, with religion and what we've lost with um, imperialism, et cetera, is we've lost that core capacity to just be human and learn and, and love what we are, uh, you know, and realise what we are. So I hope for coaching, that is the future. And I, I can see every time I coach a client when they 
find something about themselves, that aha, that delight. It's like you can't get that in a you know in a meal in a <laughs> about to name a restaurant there. You can't get that you know out there. It comes from deep within. So I, I you know, and I think that's where organizations serve society and customers in a in a beautiful way. Oh my gosh, that was so beautiful. <laughs> I'm like, I almost got chills when you said that. Because I do, I think in a world where AI and technology, like I said, it's starting bright, but it casts a shadow. The shadow is a potential for polarization, disconnection, loneliness, lack of belonging. You know, I think we can have growth and, and, and social resilience and, and, and connection and coaching is such a conduit and an opportunity to bring people back to what allowed us yeah. to be resilient as humans and species for centuries. We operated in yeah. tribes. We come into this world connected to another person. We need that human connection and yeah. to have a space that is dedicated for you with an unbiased partner yeah. sitting there holding space for you. I mean, how, and at scale, it's a gift. It's a gift. So I'm, I'm very optimistic about what coaching can do for the world. And I, I do think it is no, no um, surprise that, that coaching is exploding and growing in parallel with everything that is happening in the world. Well, that feels, this feels like an exquisite ending that we didn't plan on, you know, coming to this end, but it just, you know, I feel really touched by what each of you shared and the place that you're sharing it from, you know, your sincerity, you know, you both spoke about coaching coaches, how you love them because they're so developed, uh, dedicated to their own development. And I feel that with each of you two, and that speaks so well for the industry itself. So yeah, thank you both of you. This has been a really exquisite conversation for me and, and really what I was aiming for. So, so thanks so much. Yeah. Yeah. Pleasure. It's been really inspiring and connecting with you, Joelle and Jacinta. And, you know, I hope we do continue the dialogue around holding some of the integrity for coaching in the future. I hope, you know, that, that, you know, so we can keep the essence of it, but it's been lovely. I uh, really enjoyed conversation I feel like I'm kind of bubbling and continue but I know we've got a pause so I know I'm bubbling too I'm like this is the greatest way to start the week it's on Monday (laughs) feeling just uh reinvigorated about you know the work that if you if I can call it work it feels it feels so um mission driven and purposeful for me so feeling very lucky to be here um, learned a lot too. I just, uh, just really exciting to always talk to other people who have been thinking about this for quite some time. So thank you. Just a, a heads up again, if you're not on our mailing list and you want to stay in the loop about other things we create, then head to coachesrising.com, put your name in the sign up box there. You'll also find some of our other offerings, our online trainings for coaches there. And just want to end by wishing you well, and I'll see you again next time. Mm-hmm.